Hello, friends. Welcome again to the Deeper Daily Podcast. I'm Paul. It's the 8th day of February, and we are on our continuing journey through the Gospel of Luke. Today we arrive at the 18th verse of Luke chapter 9, a passage in which Peter will confess Jesus is the Christ, but a passage that appears in all of the Synoptic Gospels. You can find a version of this in Matthew 16, And in Mark 8, Matthew 16 is probably the most famous version of it because it's the most extended. That's the famous, uh, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but only my Father in heaven and on this rock I'll build my church. You're Peter and on this rock I'll build my church. Luke skips some of this, well, skips maybe the wrong word, leaves out some of the conversation between Jesus and Peter. I don't have a... I don't have a good reason for why. Uh, when you tell stories, sometimes you tell stories differently. You emphasize different things. Luke's version is a little shorter. Let's read it, 18, 19, and 20. It happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him, and he asked them, saying, Who do the crowds say that I am? So they answered and said, John the Baptist, and some say Elijah, And others say that one of the old prophets has risen again. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said, The Christ of God. Now, I don't, again, I don't want to teach a a different gospel version of the story. So I want to try to confine my remarks as much as possible to the way Luke tells it. So when I do this, I, I try to just focus on what strikes me in that telling, not what I know from the other tellings, because that's easy. What strikes me in this telling is that when they answer the question, who do the crowds say that I am, John the Baptist and Elijah, we're kind of used to that. Uh, I think Matthew includes Jeremiah, but then they use this phrase. Others say you're one of the old prophets that's risen again. And that's an interesting one because of what the old prophets did, whether it was Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel. The prophet of the Old Testament was essentially a a warning, a mouthpiece that reminded people of the covenant and called them back to it. Sometimes I think we think of prophecy as a little closer to what the world would define as a seer, S-E-E-R, Someone who reads the future, they, they read the tea leaves, they read the crystal ball, and they try to tell you what's going to come, what's about to happen. And I think that we have this idea that the prophets were always predicting things. And we'll go, well, they weren't really predicting because they're not guessing, they're just telling them what's going to happen. But if you go read the prophets, what you actually find are the warnings are always contingent. It's not as if the prophet says, in six months, God's going to do this. No, the prophet would say something more along the lines of, if you continue down this path, doing what you're doing, this is what's going to happen. But if you change course here, this is what could happen. And it's why the prophets are always prompting the people to make a decision, not simply verbally, but to make a decision with their spirit, their soul. 
So the prophet is pulling the people back, reminding the people, here's what's been promised to you. Here's what's been guaranteed. Or you could say it this way. Deuteronomy says it well this way. Here's where the blessing lies. Here's where the curse lies. Now, the New Testament defines a prophet as someone who exhorts, who uplifts, who builds up the hearer, and that if they don't, that's, then that's not a prophet. But why is that? Because they're doing the same thing. They're reminding people of the covenant. And since we're under a new covenant, better covenant with better promises, then the prophet's job is to remind people of the covenant, and the covenant that we're under doesn't have curses attached. So New Testament prophecy is different. Why am I bringing that up? Because it's interesting that they thought maybe he was an old prophet raised from the dead. It tells me that, uh, well, it tells it gives me a couple of ideas. Number one, that maybe they saw in Jesus a reminder of who they should be. And that reminded them of what prophets do. It reminds them, it, it, it tells them what they could be, what they should be, and it's a voice of warning. And maybe they see that in Jesus. But I also have another thought, and I actually lean to this one a little more. And I don't always tell you which way I lean, but I, I will in this one. I, I actually lean to I'm not sure they understood the role of the prophets and then the role of this prophet. Because I think Jesus is the prophet, capital P, the one whom Moses prophesied of, who God told Moses, I'm going to raise up a man like you from Deuteronomy. I, I don't think they understood the difference between Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Jesus. And I think that's evidenced by the fact that the crowd says, well, maybe he's one of those raised from the dead. I'm not sure how familiar they were with those men. And now part of that is that they didn't have access to the text in the way that we do. So there's no, they don't go home with copies of the scroll of Isaiah rolled up in their bookshelf. You know, that, that's, not, that's non-existent. They hear these prophets read to them in synagogue. And, and like any people in any culture, they formulate an opinion. But Jesus is probably one of the most misunderstood people that's ever lived. And that's not just us looking back 20 centuries, but it's probably the case in his own day. Well, so Jesus then takes what the crowd says. Maybe you're Elijah, maybe John the Baptist, maybe you're one of the prophets. Who do you think I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ of God. Well, the Christ of God is the anointed one of heaven. This is the one we've been waiting for. And again, we leave out what Matthew tells us in this spot, just to concentrate on Luke, who then has Jesus in verse 21. He strictly warned and commanded them to tell this to no one. So this is information he wants them to set on. And here's why. Verse 22. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Right here in Luke 9.22, Jesus knows he's going to die. He knows that rejection is what will happen on the part of the leaders of Israel. He knows that he will step into death, and he also knows that he will be raised up. 
At what point in his life did Jesus know this? We don't know that. We don't know when this becomes the awareness that moves him forward, but this is an indication that death isn't sneaking up on him. We move on to one of the most famous passages in the Gospel of Luke tomorrow. See you then. God bless.